Welcome to the Roots of Success podcast. We've raised the bar. Tap into the source of your success through real stories from real people. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to level up and get to the root of your success. And now your host, Nate the Great Peterman. Peterman. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 38 of the Roots of Success podcast. I am your host, Nate the Great Peterman, coming at you. And today we have a very, and I mean very special guest in the house. I'm sure a lot lot of my listeners might have heard of him before. Um, If not, you definitely want to get in tune. My guy, Sean Stevenson. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? We're going to make 38. Nate the Great, we're going to do this one, man. Make this one the best episode thus far, man. Hey, for sure, brother. I really appreciate you being on as always, man. And I know you got a very busy schedule, to say the least. And for those of you who, who might not have heard of Sean Stevenson or, you know, you need a little bit of a refresher, I'll give a little bit of a bio uh, about your brother. So Sean Stevenson is the author of the international best-selling book, Sleep Smarter, and creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast on iTunes with millions of listener downloads each year. A graduate of the University of Missouri, St. Louis, Sean studied business, biology, and kinesiology, and went on to be the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a company that provides wellness services for individuals and organizations worldwide. Sean has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Fast Company, Forbes, Men's Health Magazine, ESPN, CNN, and many other major media outlets. To learn more about Sean, feel free to visit his website, themodelhealthshow.com. <laughs> My man, Sean, you, you, of course, have the credentials. You know, I'm a big fan of yours, of course, having, a, you know, the book Sleep Smarter, really big book that I love to yes. go to on a daily basis. And as well as just some of the things that, you know, you've taught, man, I mean, having the, the natural relaxing magnesium, the ease, all right, I use this on a daily basis. And of course, you know, you can't forget about the, the little blue light glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel like this is like the show and tell. I'm know. telling you, man. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So yeah, man, I'm a big advocate, of course, of what you preach and, you know, kind of fill in, you know, the, the audience and the listeners for those, you know, who don't know, maybe a, a little bit of, you know, the behind the scenes of, of who you are and just growing up because, man, I know you have a wicked story uh, for all this going, you know, hand in hand and putting the pieces to the puzzle. So I would love for you to sort of just touch on, you know, the way you grew up and Sort of what made you into what you are today now, man? Sure, sure. So, man, um, I definitely did not expect to be in this space. You know, I didn't know what a health professional really was, or especially what I'm doing today. And being somebody who's more of, um, you know, a a health motivator, in a sense, but very uh, well studied and just being able to make things very simple and actionable for people. And that's kind of the tenet that I live by, man, by the way, is a statement from Albert Einstein I heard many, many years ago. You know, I've got one of his biographies upstairs. It's just insane to know the, you know, just throw this out there. He, he was thought to have learning disabilities, by the way, because he didn't speak until he was like four, right? And when somebody's smart now, we called them an Einstein, right? And just understanding, so one of the big tenets that I took from him was, if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well enough. And so I really strive to know the ins and outs of everything that I talk about. But that piece, and even how I got to that place, I guess it was instilled in me by, by my grandmother. And just, she made 
she made it so that I was interested in learning. You know, she made it fun. Like I remember my first little Garfield notepad and just, you know, writing letters and then being able to create words and stories and, and to communicate that way. And lo and behold, eventually that becomes my life. But she also instilled in me the necessity for me to even be interested in this stuff in health in the first place, but in a negative way. Mm. And it was not her intention, but she just, you know, like for a lot of parents, a lot of folks growing up, their, their parents just want them to eat something, right? Just make sure that the kid's eating something. And for us, we weren't really differentiating that food was different. Like anything you can eat, it's food. Yeah. And so I grew up eating a lot of processed food, you know, fish sticks and macaroni and cheese. And that was, I mean, at least like five nights a week. That's what was my dinner was looking like. And so I, I, I had these really poor eating habits and I didn't eat, in true story, I didn't even, even eat a salad until I was 25 years old was the very first time I ate a salad in my life, all right? So when people are saying like, yeah, I don't like stuff, it's, you know, like I'm the worst, I'm the worst, all right? So that's kind of what makes you good at something when you're really bad at it, mm -hmm. right? And you know like every excuse somebody has or how hard they might think it can be, if I can get from where I was to where I am, anybody can. And so those poor eating habits eventually really wore down my health. And I didn't know at the time, obviously. And so 16 years old, multi-sport athlete, things are looking good, scouts, track practice. I break my hip just from running. No trauma, nobody hit me, it wasn't a football injury. I just broke my hip because my bones were so brittle. And it wasn't until I was 20 years old when I finally get this diagnosis. By the way, all the scholarships, all that stuff, poof, it was gone. Right? all the possibility because I had about a dozen more injuries take place. And as I'm saying this story, man, I'm feeling like I was Mr. Glass or something. I don't know if you, the movie, uh, what is it called? Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Anyways. And so, but now I'm like, I guess I'm the Bruce Willis character in this movie. So shout out to that. Um, anyways, man. Um, <laughs> so 20 years old, I get this diagnosis, degenerative spinal disease, right? My spine is deteriorating rapidly. I've got two herniated disc in my back that's causing this just excruciating pain that I'm dealing with every day. And I, I got this diagnosis from my physician at the time, and this is the big problem. And this is kind of like, I'm gonna shift the story and kind of wrap it up. He told me that, number one, I'm 20 years old. He told me that I had the spine of an 80 year old man when I was 20, which is a problem, okay, obviously. So I have this accelerating aging of my spine. Second problem, is that he tells me there's nothing I can do about it. This is just something you're going to have to deal with and live with. There's not a cure, right? And so when you give that to somebody who is wildly uneducated, it's called a nocebo effect. It's the opposite of a placebo effect where you think a positive thing is going to happen. And, and on average, just to throw this out there for everybody listening, placebo, we have to do double blind placebo controlled studies, which means we have to account for the fact that placebos actually do work, all right? So just somebody believing that this fake drug they're taking is going to kill their cancer cells, or it's going to lower their blood pressure, or it's going to uh, fix their erectile dysfunction, whatever it might be, we on average see that placebos are 33% effective. So fake drugs, fake treatments, the human mind is that powerful. And I often tell people the most powerful pharmacy in the world is the human brain, 
right? And so a nocebo effect is giving somebody an, a negative injunction that something bad is going to happen. Like you've got, you know, two weeks to live or you'll never walk again. Or, you know, we hear the stories of the people who don't accept it. Yeah. But that's one in every 10,000, right? We don't hear about those other 9,999 folks because they're just, they're, they're phoning it in. They've got that permission slip. They're told there's nothing they can do about it. And they accept it because it's from an authority figure. And that's what I did initially. So two years go by, chronic debilitating pain. I'm wearing a back brace. I am, I've gained all this weight now because I'm so docile and not doing anything. And I told you already how trashy I'm eating. You know what I'm saying? I'm eating like, Krispy Kremes for dinner, right? I'm just like, I'm in college. I'm just, I, there are no rules. You know, there's only one rule. There are none. And so I'm making my tissues out of this stuff. And so, but everything changed. And this is kind of the end of the story. And what got me here today is that I, I had a decision to make because my life was so dark, so lost. I've been through so much. I've been told by so many different health professionals, there's nothing I could do. And I realized that I'm responsible for my own health. They might say whatever and they might mean well, but they don't walk in my shoes. And they're not sitting on the side of their bed as I was sitting thinking about me, right? It's my responsibility. And I love that Jim Rohn quote, nobody can do your pushups for you, right? And so I really realized at that moment that if I'm going to get better, I need to be the one to do it. I'm not gonna get some miracle drug or treatment or surgery that's gonna fix this. I need to take some responsibility. And so through that process, man, I realized that I didn't know a damn thing about how the human body worked, right? I took biology class in school, in, you know, in high school. In college, I totally avoided science. I, I hated it. Same. It wasn't even that many years ago, man. Like even like probably within the last five years, I had a nightmare. I was in biology class still and just like, totally just like i didn't have my homework done whatever just, you know because that was high school for me right. because it didn't connect mm -hmm. nobody created a visceral connection to the information where i'm learning about white blood cells and neutrophils and monocytes and all this how the hell does that relate to me you know i just didn't get that connection and so i realized you know what i'm going to learn everything i can about the human body but what makes a healthy human body right not studying disease. That's the problem as well. Initially, and by the way, a little sidebar, I went to school pre-med first out of the bat. And I told you earlier, I hated science. <laughs> so it was doomed from the beginning. I got out of that very quickly. Upperclassmen were just, and this is just the way we're taught. We're taught pharmacology, pathology. We're taught about disease. You're not taught how to actually be healthy, right? We're not studying healthy people and sharing that data. And so I was going to find out everything I could about human health. And long story short, it took about six weeks from that moment of decision to actually get well, to take control of my own health. And I lost almost 30 pounds, man. And that's results not typical. Like right. I'm more of a, you know, mesomorph body type. Like I can lose weight, gain weight relatively easy compared to a lot of folks. And so the weight that wasn't supposed to be on my frame just came off. And the pain I've been experiencing for those two, two and a half years was gone. And that was really the birthing of my career, funny enough, because I was still in school at the time in college and people just started coming up and asking me like, what did you do? Can you help me? Students, professors, faculty, you know, people just, you know, 
hall monitors, whatever. I don't think they're hall monitors actually in college, <laughs> but like the security at the gym, you know, whatever. Like they're just asking me, can you help me? So I shifted all my coursework to biology, kinesiology, and got certified, became a strength conditioning coach. And before I even graduated, man, I had a pretty thriving business that was sustaining my livelihood at least. And from there came the clinical practice and nutrition, working with patients, thousands of people in a one-on-one -on -one context. Books came from that. The podcast came from that. Millions of people impacted thus far, speaking all over the world with the greatest team, by the way, you know, our family, Eric Thomas, and, and really transforming this paradigm of health and also transforming what health looks like and what a teacher looks like. Because I'm not the average, like, I, I, I break through stereotypes. You know, I make it fun. I make this engaging. I make it interesting. And I also make it attainable for people. And so that's my story in a pretty big nutshell, man. No, for sure, Sean. I mean, I just think it's incredible just your story alone because, you know, you were at, I mean, the highest of highs with all those scholarships and then everything just vanishes. And then seeing where you're at now, I'm sure, man, you probably have nights where you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> the journey hey, was real. <laughs> real talk, man. I and I now provide scholarships, right? I have scholarship funds for our students at uh, this institute that I'm a, on the faculty for, man. And so, yeah, man, it's just been a complete 180. And it's not, man. It, and the thing is, it's it's so scary good because I'm just getting started. I've been in this field for over 15 years. So, wow. what do I mean? I mean, just this level of impact and this level of awareness. You know, I'm so excited about the future and the lives that we're going to change. Like, that's my mission while I'm here. You know, I still got time here. I'm dangerous. Oh, yeah. You know? So I want to make sure that when I'm gone, that many of these problems, we're not talking about stupid stuff anymore. We're just not. You know, heart disease is the, still the number one killer. And like every 40 seconds, somebody's having a heart attack. Yet they have zero idea of how their heart works. Right. When people think about blood pressure, for example, we think it's the heart that's controlling it. It's not. Your brain and your kidneys primarily control your blood pressure. So little things like that. What can we do to ensure your brain is healthy so your heart can be healthy? What can we do to ensure your kidneys are functioning properly so your heart can be healthy, right? So my mission is get folks educated while I'm here so we're not messing around on the small stuff and we can get to the bigger stuff of humanity. Hmm. That's interesting. Let me ask you this, Sean. What do you think is you know, the main cause of, let's just say, you know, I mean, it could go for anybody. I was going to say the millennials, but what do you, what do you think is the main cause for people not wanting to get educated when it comes to their health? They know, they know in their mind, no, I got to take it serious, but they just can't make that initial move or that initial step to actually, you know, read a book like sleep smarter, you know, on, on sleeping or, you know, read a health book, right? What do you think is that thing that really is like the main holder back thing, I guess you can say? Man, that's, that's a really big question. I, I actually really feel it's three things. Okay. Uh, the first thing is just, um, it's kind of like you go, we go through these phases of understanding things in the first place. So there's something called an, an unconscious incompetence, mm -hmm. right? An unconscious incompetence. So this is where there's something that we don't know, but we don't know that we don't know it, right? right? If that makes sense. So, you know, maybe there's something about like how to, um, you know, how to be healthy, how to have a healthy functioning heart, since we talked about the heart or, yeah. you know, physical fitness, but we, we don't know that we don't know the answer, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something totally foreign to us. So for me, 
it was food. I didn't know that there was a difference and I didn't know that I didn't know. And so this unconscious incompetence was just behind the scenes controlling my life. So that's a big part of it. Number one is people just don't know. They don't know what it is. They don't know how to, t how to get close to it, how to touch it. It's so in their periphery or just in their subconscious, like it's just blocked away. They don't realize. Uh, the second thing is when then you move from an unconscious incompetence to a conscious incompetence, and that's where you realize that thing is different, but you don't know how to fix it, right? So for me, I find out, okay, wait, there is a difference with food. I'm making my body out of just straight like soy burger patty, you know, whatever, and like glazed jelly donuts, obviously like my, and I'm trying to regenerate my bone tissue, how, right? So I realize, okay, there is a difference in food, but I don't know how to fix it. And so that's another kind of awakening point that takes place. And then from there, we move to a conscious competence. This is where you know what to do. You know that you have an issue or something you're trying to, to take care of. But knowing what to do is kind of like the G.I. Joe slogan, you know, as a kid. It's like knowing is only half the battle or something like that. I'm right. probably like tearing that up. I was super. <laughs> um, because it's, there's an action component associated with it. And this is where kind of leading to the question that you asked, like why if, if there's access to Sleep Smarter, for example, why aren't people picking it up, right? And probably the biggest reason for that is that number one, pain isn't bad enough yet. So it's so funny how when things are really like you're, you're hit rock bottom, backs against the wall, how quick we are to take action then. And the second thing is, the information itself, like we realize we have a problem, we realize there are resources, we think that it's too hard. And sometimes that might be true. But having a basic level of health and fitness is one of the ease, like your genes, literally, like your DNA is expecting it to be that way. It's going to do everything in its power to make sure it's printing out great copies of you just doing basic stuff, right? Super easy, simple stuff, almost as simple as breathing but we've complicated everything. And in the age we live in where, you know, we got these internet superstars and everybody, you know, has got their fancy, like they're doing their 20 different kind of donkey kicks to get a bubble butt, whatever. This stuff that doesn't really even work anyways, like overcomplicating things. And so people see it as like, I can't do 20 different kind of donkey kicks. I can't even, I can't even do a cat kick or whatever, a dog kick. Like I can't even get to a donkey, right? So taking the complexity out of stuff. So. When people have an attraction and like a sense that this is actually attainable for me, right? And it can be fun. It can actually be entertaining and joyful, the process of getting healthy. That's really where we start having massive people coming on board, right? So taking the complexity out and taking the, the, the sense that I grew up with, which was a sense that this stuff is a drag, it's, it's boring, it's a, just a suck on my life force, you know, like going to that biology class, taking all that out of the picture and making it the opposite. I think that's what's going to move a lot more people to, to take an action. That's interesting. You know, I know, you, you know, we've been speaking about biology a little bit. Biology wasn't one of my favorite classes either. I think I finished with a D or something, just pass. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious. Let's, let's look at the school system a little bit. Mm. What's one thing that Sean Stevenson could implement into today's school system 
or something that you know could possibly get changed or enhanced um, to, to really just bring health to that next level where it is the center of importance instead of I mean, I'm not saying, you know, calculus isn't important. I mean, if you want to be you know, maybe some type of construction worker, if you want to be a professor or shoot, I don't even know what you need for calculus. For Bro, listen, <laughs> I literally, my, I've got a son who's a senior in high school and I got a son who's in first grade. My son's doing like um, addition and subtraction, like he's doing a little bit bigger numbers, the youngest guy. Yeah. And I realized like first and second grade, that math I learned is the only math I use today, <laughs> right? And I took calculus, business statistics, like the craziest types of like, you know, collegiate level math, right? None of it matters. Unless again, like you're going to be a physicist or you're wanting to whatever, you know, okay. more power to that. But the basic stuff about like, even for those guys, like we're putting people in space, People are we're creating spaceships on vending machine, vending machine consciousness, right? Vending machine level consciousness builds space shuttles. Just imagine if we can get people on the best food in the world, what we can create, right? And so what, what I would do, and it's so funny, man, like all these schools are, are inviting me out now to come and speak to the kids, which, and I rarely actually do this now. I, when I, earlier in my career, I would do it a lot. Right. And it's because for me, honestly, man, it's, it's difficult when the kids get so inspired and then they go home and they're not, it's not like the, the, the environment is not set up for them to thrive, you know, because we are very much conditioned by our environment, but we're also creators of our environment. And a lot of times, however, kids don't have the opportunity to create their own environment, you know, because they're under the dominion of, you know, uh, folks who often, again, most times are looking out for them in their best interest, but they're doing what they know how to do. They have those same unconscious competencies, un unconscious competencies. And so here's what I would do. Very first day when kids are coming in, I would ask the kids what their goals are, right? If we're talking about health and inspire them towards their health, it has to be connected to something visceral, especially when we're talking about like teenagers, for example, it has to be something they want. Maybe they want to like, what is, what is a goal? What is your top three goals for your appearance and your health and your fitness? So some kids, and if we, of course, we might have to work with them to get them to a place of honesty, which a great teacher can do, is like, you know, I really want to get rid of my acne, yeah. right? Or another kid might be, I want to perform, you know, I want to be able to uh, clean 300 pounds, you know, or perform on the football field or whatever the case might be. If we can get to their goal, from their own mouth and then instruct them, okay, this is what you want, here's how you get that. Hmm. All of a sudden, this becomes a, a comprehensive and collaborative effort where they want to learn because it's gonna get them what they want, yeah. right? That's the secret, man. People see my son, like literally, this true story. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, I went to uh, Nordstrom here okay. in St. Louis. And the guy there, you know, he's seen me a few times, like, you know, he comes over, he's like, give him, you know, show me some little love, give me some dap or whatever, you know, it's a guy. And um, I'm walking over to the desk to check out. And he's like, so how's your son? And in my head, immediately, I'm like, how do you even know my son? Okay, oh, yeah, that's right. He's probably been with me a couple of times. He's like, man, your son is like, he's huge. And he's not like physical, tall, like strat stature, just his muscularity, right? Ooh. And so he was like 16, 17, like 
people constantly ask him, like, what do you do? Right. Is it genetics? Yeah, genetics do play a part. But it's the expression, higher expression of different genetic programs by the way that he eats, hmm. by the way that he trains, especially the food. Like, he's made out of sustainable stuff. Okay. Right. And so, and it's because of the culture we've created in our house. But here's what I did. It wasn't just like, this is what you're going to eat. I'm the dad, you know, because I could do that, you know, for sure. And I have. However, when I found ways to connect him to what he wants and his goals. So for him, he wanted to get bigger and stronger for his sport. And so I said, okay, so here's, and I gave him the facts. I gave him some research. I gave him, I gave him those small details that was like, oh, I can have what I want. I just need to do this. Yeah. So he's prob probably, and this is a number two school in our state, all right, ranked number two in our state. He's probably the only kid that's like bringing his lunch consistently. Like, especially in high school, you just don't do that. You don't bring a, a lunchbox, you know, whatever. But I mean, not just bringing his lunch, not just a sandwich, but like he's preparing his food. Like he's putting his, you know, organic pasture-raised chicken and, you know, whatever, you know, his broccoli. He's drink This morning, he's upstairs drinking. You, you already know about the Organifi. He's oh, drinking God. his Organifi. I didn't tell him to do that. <laughs> it's because of connecting him with the goal and it made the process all the more easy for him to implement. And that's deep. Because it's like you have all those, all that information, all the credentials to back it up. And once you have that goal, you know what to do, you know? There you go. No, I, I totally agree with that. Because even myself, you know, uh, one of the biggest things for me, Sean, has, has been gaining weight. You know, I was always that kid in school that was, I think in high school, I was like, man, probably 140, 130 <laughs> whenever I graduated. And it was always putting on, you know, the weight. And even now I'm working on, you know, I started taking my fitness game, I'd say, serious about, you know, a couple of a few months ago and really was just monitoring what, it, you know, I eat and of course put into my body. And then, of course, tuning into your content definitely helps a lot. But, um, you know, let's say there's somebody out there um, listening right now and, and they're wanting to, to make a really drastic change. Like, you know, they want to lose the weight, right? Or maybe they really want to just gain significant gains, right? Mm -hmm. um, what wisdom could you drop to them, you know, about the process uh, that they're going to have to go through? Is, is it going to be, is it really going to be big mentally? You know, they're going to have mental battles to, you know, overcome. Is it going to be, you know, what to eat? You know, what are, what's that main thing? Or maybe it's a couple of things that you would recommend to somebody um, before going in, to, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first barrier of entry for, for people, whether they're wanting to lose weight or gain weight, is the education itself, right? And there's a root of this word. I'm a big student of lexicon, but, um, you know, educo kind of means loosely like to learn from within. Like there's this inherent intelligence that we carry and just like outside data helps us to kind of flesh out this because everybody learns differently, but also what we know is different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because for example, even if we learn about the exact same thing, like literally the exact same thing in science class or nutrition class or language arts, our life experience, our DNA is coloring that data very differently, right? So everybody is unique in how we learn and also the information that we carry. And so that education itself is of the utmost importance. And so if somebody's wanting to achieve whatever it is with their health, it's just like anything else in life. You have to make it a study. 
And the great thing about today is that you don't have to go to some hard to get to library, or you don't have to go and sit at the feet of the, you know, tribal leader or whatever. Like you literally in your phone can find out anything you want and you can find out from the very best people in the world doing it. That's the thing. There's so much noise out there. So you got to be aware of that. You got to look for, you got to look for proof, man. You got to look for a proven system. And so also we can look for folks who make the process of education enjoyable for you. You know, some folks just want to know a lot of stuff. They don't care if it's the driest, most ridiculous material ever. You know, they just want to learn about like whatever, um, mTOR pathways and like, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they want to know about this stuff, polysaccharides and sulfur bearing amino acids, whatever. They're just like, oh yeah, stuff. I want to know it. Yeah. Other folks, like they need to be compelled. They need to be inspired. They need that connection. And so get educated, go to sources that make it easy for you to get that education and even enjoyable. Cause I think that that's probably, you know, again, like this barrier of entry is enjoying the process because a lot of folks think that if they're going to get healthy, they're going to have to punish themselves. They're going to have to go through hell. They're going to have to, you know, all of these negative things that's just going to compel you to not do it or to start and to stop because why would you subject yourself to all of that pain? And so for a lot of folks, they believe, and this is totally contrary to reality, that suffering equals health, right? And it's just not true. That's not how it works, right? Joy equals health. Happiness equals, and is it, even as I'm saying it, it's like, that sounds right, right? right? But if you're living with that belief that it's suffering that equals health, you're automatically not going to take part in it. So get educated, mm. get connected to the information that, and this is why this podcast form and this medium is so powerful because right now, literally since we've been on here, thousands of people all over the world have been listening to me talking about whether they're listening to an episode, how to reverse type two diabetes or um, natural treatments for depression, or how does your metabolism actually work? Finding out the behind the scenes of like, how does your body actually burn fat? Thousands of people since we've been talking all over the world, while they're driving in their car, while they're going walking their dog, while they're at the gym, while they're doing laundry, while they're just sitting back taking notes. It's so powerful. There's no, like literally you can do this in that net time, right? There's no extra time. You can get educated doing anything. You don't have to stop your life to do it and you can enjoy the process, right? So that's number one. Number two, man, listen, I've worked with literally do you know how difficult it is to work even with one person, right? <laughs> and they're coming in with all their stuff and they've been told this, you know, I, I have to have this surgery, I got fibroid tumors, or I have, you know, whatever, I've got prostate, whatever. And they're telling you all their problems and why it can't happen. One person, for you to help one person to get well, let alone, I've worked with thousands of people, all right? So I've learned a couple things. I think anybody would learn something. You know, just having the audacity to keep on working and helping people. And so it's not, it's not the nutrition. It's not the nutrition program that I designed catered to them, their lifestyle, their goals. It's not the exercise. It's not the sleep, right? All of these things matter in the grand scheme of you achieving the health that you want. It's getting people to the place where they actually do the things. That is where the real 
like master practitioner does their work, right? Is working with people with their psychology because everybody has it in them. We all have it in us to achieve our goals, to have the health and the, the finances, the, the, the relationships that we want. It's there. But we also all have the capacity to do dumb shit, mm. right? All of us have the capacity to do the most ignorant, stupid things. You got to understand that. And you have to work with people. You have to find out what really drives them, right? And so for everybody listening, you have to get honest about why do you want it? Why do you want a six pack? For what? And to be honest about it, like if it is to attract girls, so be it. But why do you want that? You, you just want, you know what I'm saying? You just want that attention. Did you not get attention from your mom, right? D is this an issue where, you know, you just want to ha have a relationship? You want somebody to love you? You want somebody to have your back, right? You're trying to be booed up? Right? Whatever it is, you got to be honest about it, right? Maybe you feel hurt. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe you want the six pack so you feel stronger and tough, right? To, to defend yourself or whatever it is. That's why you want to get, you know, put on some size. We got to be honest about what that looks like right? You want to just feel physically stronger in your life so you can be emotionally stronger. That's what I would do with a lot of the female clients that I work with. I'd get them in, I get them in, start deadlifting. I get them in, start doing some heavy back squats. And the funny thing was a lot of, um, a lot of their issues, you know, dealing with stress, dealing with, you know, relationship issues, you know, stuff with their significant other kids, like feeling like all of this was just stressing them the hell out where they had all of these reasons why they can't achieve what they wanted, right? It's because they felt disempowered. They felt like it was too much. They weren't strong enough to carry it. And physically, I got them carrying some stuff that was pretty heavy, far beyond what they thought they can do. And then you start to see the attitude shift, right? Wow. So it's not just the mindset, like telling somebody, oh, be tougher, be stronger. Right. It's a holistic thing, right? Because emotion is created by motion, in a sense. Right. And motion creates your emotion. It's like a feedback loop that goes both ways. And so that's what I would say, man, is they have to get educated, as I mentioned, but also working on that inner psychology, getting deep into like, why do you actually want this? And stuff is going to happen. So you have to have a strategy in place to keep yourself motivated towards that goal, right? Towards whatever it is that you want. This is why, you know, um, Eric Thomas is such a, a huge asset today, you know, in all the lives that he's touched. Yeah. And I've created this incredible database for people to get plugged into, like literally just click play, I got you. It's gonna get your mind right. Like if you're even thinking about like, okay, you know, I've been working on this for, you know, six months, every, like all my, my blood pressures, I'm off my lisinopril, I'm off my statins, everything's going good. But you know, it's this trip to Vegas coming up and I think that I'm gonna, you know, cocaine and strippers or whatever it is, like crazy thing that might come up, you know, just click play, like, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 I'm not about that life. This is who I am. You know, those little reminders, because again, we all have the capacity for the most ignorant, stupid things. We also have the capacity for greatness. Mm, man, that's so true, Sean. I appreciate you sharing that wisdom. Um, that's, I kind of like to transition a little bit because, you know, we can, whew, we can really cover health all day. I know that, but even, you know, just sleeping. I know uh, that's something, of course, you're, you know, you're very passionate about it. I mean, you have a, you have a doggone book written on it. Um, I've never seen anybody <laughs> so passionate about sleep. 
You know, like I've never realized that it was such a thing that you could be passionate about. I mean, unless you know you're sleeping, of course, but you know, I mean, on the whole topic in the, in the education aspect of it. So I'm sort of curious, man. I mean, what is it that really just made you say, okay, I want to write a book. I want to get educated. I want to be able to teach, you know, in regards to just, you know, how to sleep smarter, how to sleep better, right? How to enhance to have, you know, an amazing and an incredible sleep schedule. So what was it that really just was that driving factor, Sean, and you that really said, okay, we're going to make this big time, right? We're going to be one of the best selling authors when it comes to just sleeping in general. You know, what was that thing? Yeah, it's a great question, man. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was the people, man. It was huh. the people that I was working with clinically, also in the gym and seeing all these great results from people changing their diet and, you know, changing their movement practices but there was always a percentage of people who would not get the same results everybody else was getting. And ironically, like sometimes it would keep me up at night, just like, what is wrong? Why is this not working, right? And it took about five years in practice before I started asking people about their sleep. And just because if it's not a problem for you, like my sleep was great, I don't think about, you don't think about it. No. And also it's not, it's literally like you said, it's just like this topic to become so passionate about it, it's not a sexy topic. Sleep is not, it's not a, tr like the next new, like, again, the 20 donkey kicks and the Instagram bubble, bubble butt, like that's right. For people wanting, they want to see that. They want, want to watch you sleep. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And for me, it was realizing that, oh man, it blew my mind because I got, I got compelled when I started to find out how problematic sleep was for so many people. And I started going to research because the thing was, for me, nobody wants to turn their entire world upside down to get a result. They don't want to. You know, many people will. They will do it. But most people won't because they, they, we don't want to. We don't just naturally want to. And so I wanted to find some clinically proven strategies that are simple, easy to implement, that can increase people's sleep quality by, you know, twofold, fivefold, tenfold. They're still doing the same things they normally do, but maybe try implementing this thing or adding this thing in. And so some of the data I came across early, just in the context of what's, what makes me so passionate about this, was data from um, the U University of Chicago, for example. Like there's so many studies yeah. in my head. I'll share this one really quickly. But we, we've been on the, the topic of our, like our physical appearance and physical health. Your sleep quality, impacts your physical appearance, your body fat percentage, more than your diet, more than your exercise. And I know this sounds crazy. It's just like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so these researchers actually took some test subjects to find out if it's true. And so what they did was they took folks and they put them on a calorie restricted diet and they allowed them in one phase of the study to get a quote normal amount of sleep, which was for them eight and a half hours of sleep, hmm. tracked all their metrics. They have another phase of this study. They take the same people, but they sleep deprive them. They're on the same exact diet. No more exercise than they were doing. Everything in their life is exactly the same, except they sleep deprive them now. They take away three hours. Now they're getting five and a half hours of sleep. And at the end of the study, they compiled all the data. They found that when folks were getting enough sleep, when they were well rested, they lost 55% more body fat just from sleeping. Jeez. You can't get that kind of result. Like if you're killing yourself doing CrossFit six times a week, 55%, you're going to have to work hard, right? 
or you could take your ass to sleep, right? It's just like so simple. It's so simple, but we don't understand the value of it until you hear a study like that. Like, whoa, wait a minute, how? And that's also what I do is provide, because now we got a potential belief system for folks on the value of sleep, but we have to give it legs. Right. And one of those is like, how? How does it, how does it have such impact like that? Well, pretty much everybody now has heard the, uh, about this hormone melatonin, which is supposed to be this quote sleep hormone. It's, that's not really what it is. It, it is highly uh, regulatory of our sleep. I liken it to like, if we are like a manual transition, human body and like our brain and going to different stages of sleep, because that's what sleep really is. Because it's even a weird thing in the first place. Like what is sleep really? It's a change primarily with what's happening with your brain waves. And we're moving from a normal waking state of like beta to alpha to theta to deep delta wave sleep, all right? So we know somebody's sleeping when those brain waves are changing. And each of those changes is correlated with a completely cast, different cascade of events happening in the human body for recovery. So melatonin, I kind of feel is like they, that helper with the manual transition to make the sleep more efficient. So a lot of folks think that in this study, okay, they slept more. It's not that, not necessarily. Just the, the chances are, if you're sleeping more, you're going to have a tendency to sleep better. But there are people who sleep eight, eight or nine hours that wake up feeling trashed all the time. And they're not getting these physical changes because the quality of their sleep is terrible. They're not going through those sleep cycles efficiently. And so to kind of finalize this piece, give it some legs. Melatonin, it, this glorified sleep hormone, is actually a very potent fat-burning hormone as well, all right? And the issue is you don't produce melatonin unless you have a, a, a normal hormonal rhythm, will produce it optimally, and you have a, a dark cycle. Like you're in darkness. If you have artificial light exposure, melatonin gets suppressed. Harvard researchers have been found this out and put this out, right? Wow. Yeah. Suppresses melatonin. So for example, if you're on your tele, you're watching TV at night, you're on your smartphone, on your computer doing work at night, the researchers found that every hour you're on your device, you suppress melatonin for 30 minutes. So even if you go to sleep and you've been on your device for three hours straight, Melatonin is suppressed for 90 minutes. So you're not gonna efficiently go through your sleep cycle. So all of these little pieces, so melatonin, because it increases the, the um, proliferation activity of something called brown adipose tissue. And this is a type of brown, it's, it's called brown fat. The reason it's brown versus white adipose tissue, which is the stuff that people are targeting, trying to get rid of, it's brown because it's so dense in what, something called mitochondria. And a lot of folks probably know what that is. But these are the energy power plants of our cells that produce cellular energy. It's so dense in that. So it burns a tremendous amount of white fat. Right? So it's a type of fat that burns fat. You increase your mobility of this stuff with melatonin. And you get that by taking your behind to sleep. That's one thing. Another thing is human growth hormone. All right? You produce the vast majority of your HGH, muscle sparing, anabolic, energy. Kids have so much HGH. It's why kids have so much energy. Right? All of these things, and guess what? You think you're gonna take time to eat the right thing, maybe meal prep or make good decisions with your food, go to the gym, whatever it is, if your energy's low? No, it's so, like exponentially harder. You get all this leverage when you go to sleep, all right? So, and I can go on and on with the hormones involved, but this is why I'm so passionate about it is because it is the biggest thing for optimizing our health, right? We see folks on average, so this study, meta-analysis done, people who are averaging around four to five hours of sleep have like 
30 plus percent greater incidence of dying early from all causes. So this could be a heart attack, this could be you know, an autoimmune disease, whatever. All risk mortality is gonna skyrocket. Also, you're shortening your telomeres. And so I had the opportunity to, um, to have on my show, so her co-author, she literally won a Nobel Prize for her discovery of this enzyme called telomerase. And so our telomeres are these parts of our chromosomes that are the greatest biological marker we have to how long we're going to live. All right, so you can get your telomeres analyzed and it can give you an estimate on how long you're gonna be alive, all right? Crazy stuff, right, that we're able to see now. And so she discovered that there's an enzyme called telomerase that can actually add length back onto your telomeres, essentially, in a sense, stopping or even reversing the aging process in some faculties. Guess what happened with my spine? I went from an 80-year-old spine at the age of 20 to I just got a, a, a scan of my spine done like two months ago. No, actually, I got an even more recent one. Uh, was it last week? I've been traveling a lot. My <laughs> spine, those discs that were massively degenerated have they're, they're fluffy. I could see the light shining through them. Like my spine looks like that of a much, 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 much younger man. Wow. Decades younger. How is that possible? Man. Right? It's reversing this process with, you know, potentially with your telomeres. And anyways, man, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But bottom line is your sleep is one of the biggest culprits. Sleep deprivation is in shortening your telomeres. So if you want to age yourself faster, start skipping on your sleep. It's one of the fastest ways to accelerate your aging process. Accelerate the, 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 the time when you will be very difficult to burn body fat because it gets harder because your hormones change. Accelerate the time you start to have degenerative issues, arthritis, heart problems. It's why we've seen it, man. It used to be adult onset diabetes, people in their 60s and 70s getting like diabetes and cancer and heart disease. Now it's people in their 50s, their 40s, 30s. Tremendous amount of folks in their 30s, high blood pressure medication, statins, list goes on and on. Cancer epidemic, crazy. People in their 30s, in their 20s, in their teens. Now we have so many kids that have type 2 diabetes, adult onset diabetes. We had to change the name. Now it's just type 2 diabetes, right? We've accelerated the aging process. And it's going to be based on your genetic predisposition for that. And again, the biggest controlling factor is your sleep quality. Everything else is important, but for me, this is the biggest one. Wow, it's all about that sleep. You know, real quick, Sean, I know we're, you know, got about a few minutes left here. Uh, I'm curious on your input of, of somebody, you know, like Steve Jobs, right? And, and, and the lifestyle that he lived. And of course, his sleeping schedule, I'm sure, you know, I mean, Elon Musk, same thing, you know, I mean, their sleeping schedule just isn't constant. And I, the reason I said Steve Jobs is because I think, you know, we're all aware of, you know, how unfortunately he passed, right? Um, do you think that might have had something to, to do with, with, you know, the sleeping and, and things? You know what I mean? Yeah. So what's so interesting about Steve Jobs is that he was seeking out all kinds of treatments, man. Like he was doing, you know, um, I think he was doing enzyme therapy. He's doing like vitamin A, like... Um, uh, um, what are they called? Um, not vaccination, but uh, injections. You know, he's like trying all these different things because, you know, so vitamin A clinically is like correlated with lifespan as well. The lower somebody's uh, levels of vitamin A, gotcha. the, the higher their risk of dying early, right? 
but all vitamin A's are not the same. You know, there's like, so for example, when people say you need to take vitamin uh, C, there are many different types of vitamin C. When people say vitamin D, there are many different types of vitamin D. The one that's found in most supplements is vitamin D2. That's uh, ergo calciferol, right? That's not the one that we really want. We want vitamin D3. That's the one that's far more uh, bioavailable. So there's different forms of everything. And so was the form he was taking with the injections or whatever he was doing, was that the one helping? I don't know. But the reason I bring that up is that he was doing what would be considered like alternative therapies. You know, he was juicing. He's doing all this stuff. He was trying on his end to remedy the situation from conventional medicine, alternative medicine, and everything in between. Here's the issue. Food does matter. Nutrition does matter for sure. But if you're doing that, but you are chronically stressed, stress can kill you just as fast as Big Macs can. All right. Stress can kill you just as fast as anything else. And this is because of, I mean, I can go through several different reasons why, but just a little quick snapshot on it. If somebody is, we'll just say, because some stress is good. We need it. It makes us better. It's known as hormetic stressor. Exercise is a hormetic stressor. You get better from it when you're allowed to recover. But if every day just it becomes chronic, we start having these chronic levels of these more catabolic um, stress hormones, namely cortisol is popular in the media right now. You got norepinephrine. We've got so many different things. All of these things associated with other hormones like insulin, for example. But the bottom line is this, these are inflammatory processes in the body. And so you can stress yourself right into sickness because it's sympathetic, your sympathetic nervous system just being on and in such a high tone like that, the human body's not designed for that. We're designed for level, you know, moments of stress and then recovery, moments of stress and recovery. Sleep deprivation is probably, again, it's the biggest culprit today, in my opinion, for chronic stress because of all of these inflammatory catabolic hormones being produced. When you're sleep deprived, one of the first things we see is elevated cortisol, yeah. right? Cortisol can literally, it's like, because you're not getting sleep and your brain needs glucose, for example, cortisol can break down your muscle tissue. It's a process called gluconeogenesis. In turn, your muscle that you worked so hard to gain, it could turn it into sugar, basically, turn into glucose to be used because of an, a stressful event that's chronically taking place in your body, which is you're not sleeping, right? And wonder why I can't get this fat off or wonder why I can't get my blood pressure down or wonder why I'm having liver uh, issues with my liver, right? And so in that context, it's even getting educated on what are the roles with the liver? Liver is responsible, number one, number one for drug metabolism. So everything that he's taking, all these drugs, even all the foods that we're eating, your liver's taking care. It's the first, it's like the big line of defense there for the mass distribution for your body, right? Um, but also your liver is influenced by your circadian rhythm. It's influenced by your sleep. Your liver function starts to go down when you're not sleeping, you know? And I can go on and on in the connections. It's such a good question. Um, but to talk about a specific case, if I don't know him, I don't know what his sleep habits were like, chances are it's not the best, but I know I know for certain that stress levels were astronomical. And all of us, everybody listening, we, we're gonna have stress in our life and that's okay. But we need to have a strategy to recover from the stress. It's really as simple as that. Because if you do that, you're just gonna keep getting better and better. 
you're going to be able to handle more and more stress as it comes your way. So it's really growing yourself as a human, growing yourself from, you know, you might be, we'll just say on the spectrum, I'm just throwing this out here. If there's a spectrum of human evolution, right? Scale of one to 10, like one is like, you, you're just make it like you're, you're, you're surviving, right? You're, you're trying to fight for your survival needs. And level 10 is like ultimate enlightenment. You're on some Dalai Lama status, like that, you know, whatever it might be for you. If you're, if you've worked and you're like a level three person and a level four problem happens in your life, everything stops. It's going to make your world crumble, right? But if you've worked and developed yourself, developed your education, your, your practices, your health practices, your success practices, your relationships, maybe you've grown yourself, you're a level seven person, right? And a level four problem happens. You could probably handle that on your lunch break, hmm. right? So it's about growing yourself, growing your resiliency. And that's by having your, having your hustle, having your grind, having your whatever it is you're moving towards, but also respecting it, respecting that process and allowing yourself to recover, to be still, to assimilate so that you can keep coming, at, coming back better. And at some point, you're gonna be undefeatable. Wow, man, that's incredible. Now, Sean, I wanna be respectful of your time. I know it's, it's a minute after, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you, you know, just coming on again, dropping the wisdom and, and everything like you normally do. Uh, on here. And, uh, you know, I know, you, of course, you know, you, they have the website, uh, the model health show.com, uh, correct? That's right. To go to. Um, what about social medias? Where can the, the listeners and the viewers find you? Awesome. Yeah. So I'm at Sean model. That's S H A W N model on primarily on Instagram. I'm on those other platforms, Facebook and uh, Twitter, all the good stuff. But I, I really like Instagram. And um, also, you know, just the show itself where people are listening to your incredible show, they could find me as well. It's the Model Health Show. As you mentioned, it's themodelhealthshow.com online. And uh, my, all my social media is there as well. So uh, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll put all the links in the description below for everybody to go to. As always, Sean, brother, appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Roots of Success podcast. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. I really appreciate that, as well as a like and a subscribe. Stay connected between shows by following me on Instagram at NateTheGreat. And remember, guys, success starts here. Keep winning. Nate the Great signing off.